eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED lights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome to the Ed Milet Show. Welcome back to Max Out, everybody. I am Ed Milet, and today is going to be a journey uh, into business, into the mindset of a young achiever, but into a vulnerable man who's willing to tell you all the good and all the bad about his life. And um, man, when I started to research you, brother, I just fell in love with you. And I know we're going to help millions of people today. So this is Charlie Jabbly, also known as Charlie Rocket. So That's thank right. you for being here, Charlie. Thank you, man. It's good to have you here. Just so you know, guys, give you a proper introduction. This young man's won a Grammy. He's made millions of dollars in the music business. Um, and he's some of my favorite content on all of social media because it's real and, it, and it's vulnerable, too. So, man, when we get into your story, it's going to be bananas today. And you, you work with artists like 2 Chains and a mm -hmm. bunch of other artists, very well-known people mm -hmm. that you managed. And uh, it's pretty amazing that a kid from Georgia rises up that quickly and makes the life that you've had. So how? tell me to begin with, man. I'm just curious because we're going to get to the... I think the early part of your story is not as compelling as the right now, even okay. though they're both incredible. Um, but how did you get into the music business in the first place? Growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, hip hop is just what Atlanta is known for. Yes. And I was a young entrepreneur. Okay. And I, I, I saw my friends starting to rap and I was mm. like, looking like, huh, like mm. there's something to this hip hop thing. Like, yeah. I'm like playing songs for my mom and mm. she's, she's like, I really don't get it. I'm like, no, like hip hop is gonna be the biggest thing in the world one day. Yeah. And you know, fast forward to the day, yeah, you know, 70%, right. this year, 2018, 70% of top 10 hits in America are hip hop records. Mm. So I put a studio in my bedroom and we would have basketball tournaments at my house. I lived across the street from the high school and okay. everybody and there would be 20 people at one song and I picked up a camera and I was like, I'm gonna make music videos and I built this website. Yeah. And this website started blowing up. It was a hip hop website for independent artists called spitchagame.com. How old are you at this time? Uh, like 16, 17 wow. years old. Okay. Spitchagame.com. I got it from Biggie. Okay. Spit yeah. your game, yeah. talk your shit. Yeah. Talk. So um, <laughs> Interscope Records called me one day and was like, we love what you're doing. We want you to go on tour with one of our new artists we just signed. His name is Soldier Boy. Mm. And I was very familiar with Soldier yep. Boy because in Atlanta we had the dance movement going, the spitchogame.com mm. dance movement, and Soldier Boy was in Mississippi. Okay. So he would always just kind of copy what we were doing, and we looked at him as an outsider, but he blew up on the internet. Mm. Interscope signed him. I'm now first year of college. And I had to explain to my mom. So yeah, mom, I want to um, I want to yeah. drop out of college and go on tour with a rapper. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And in her, her in her mind, the first thing she sees is groupies and yeah. the whole hip hop life. And uh, I have a history of convincing my mom to do things, mm -hmm. uh, even though she's a very tough. You've always lady. been a persuader. I, I yeah. had to because yeah. we sold vacuum cleaners growing up. Yep. My grandfather sold vacuum cleaners. My mom sold vacuum cleaners. I sold vacuum Probably cleaners. Probably the hardest core sales there is. That's door-to-door -door sales, everybody. So you're a third-generation vacuum cleaner salesman. That's right. Wow. From vacuum cleaner salesman to hip-hop mogul. This is going to be this is gonna be good. So, okay, so keep going. So I had to convince my mom, <laughs> listen, I want to drop out of school and I want to go on tour. Yeah. And um, she's a tough sale. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a couple times in my life before that I had to convince her of some, some crazy things. Mm -hmm. you, now you're the camera guy. We're on tour. I'm on top of the world. My website's blowing up. Okay. But uh, Soldier Boy, we're going across the country and uh, his album just came out. Number one album in the world. And the next day we got to go to Jimmy Kimmel. Okay. And... Things were starting to act a little funny. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, but um, I was waiting for the itinerary the next day. We're in Atlanta, we got to fly to LA for Jimmy Kimmel. So I, I, I couldn't get in contact with anybody. Okay. So I just go to the airport the next morning. I'm gonna 
run into them, Delta Terminal, like we always do. And um, nobody was answering my phone calls. Mm. Never got an itinerary. And his DJ was there as well. And they were doing the same thing to him. And I realized, I realized before he did, I said, I think we're fired. Mm. And, and he was mad. And I, I wasn't mad. I was mm. like. You weren't mad. You dropped out of college to go do this. It was going to be tough, but I was almost relieved because it was like I knew I was meant for something more than being mm. a cameraman. And I went back to my mom's house and I said, I think I'm fired. And she said, well, if you're not in school, you got to pay rent. And I'm just coming off the road of six mm -hmm. months, so I've got my... She said, you got to pay rent. Mm. I'm like, Jesus, I just got fired. Mm. And I said, I got an idea. Out on that tour, I got to see where the money was at. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a manager because mm -hmm. managing is where the money's at. Okay. She said, what do you know about managing rappers? Yeah. She said, you're 18 years old. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to figure it out because mm -hmm. we learned that in vacuum cleaner sales. If we went into a home and they said, ask a question, I said, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I told that to my mom and she said, well, I trust you as long as you pay rent. Huh. I signed a girl group. Their name was Vistoso Bosses. Okay. And I got him a record deal within 24 hours with Interscope because Soldier Boy didn't like me anymore, but Interscope Records loved me. Okay. And I showed it to them and they said, Charlie, we believe in you. You've got the little Midas touch. Whatever you touch just seems to work. Boom. Get them on 106 in part. Get them on the radio. I'm seeing my future. I'm like, I'm about to make it. Yes. And there was one day where something got funny again. It was in Washington, D.C. I got him a show in Washington, D.C. And you know how when somebody wants to, like, end something, they find stupid things sure, to be mad at? Sure, looking for an excuse, yeah. They got off stage, and they said, you didn't give us water. I'm like, mm. I got you a record deal. Like, right. what are you talking water, about? I right. Like, this, so they're being upset about something. Come to find out, somebody got in their sure. ear. They left me mm. for Sierra's manager, big industry manager. Mm. And I'm crawling right back to my mom's basement. Mm. And I said, you know what? I need to bring back CEO Charlie, somebody mm. who I had created when I was a kid. Yes. Who put on a suit, yep. who had the briefcase, was not distracted by anything, was tunnel vision. I'm going to be a successful businessman. And I told myself I would never tell somebody my age again because everybody mm. thought, I was just this kid, and they wouldn't take me serious. But this is a guy who would wear a suit to school. Oh, yeah. So this guy's always had this sort of entrepreneurial vibe, this, I don't know, I'd call you like a dreamer, a big thinker, an extremist, which, by the way, coming from me is a compliment. I can just picture this little 13-, 14-year-old, 12-year-old boy wearing a suit to mm -hmm. school with a briefcase. I just think that's beautiful, right? You, went out, you drop out of college mm -hmm. as a cameraman. Mm -hmm. you f that fails. That's a failure, right? Yes. Then you sign your first group, and like a lot of managers, people in that space, you, you know, people don't know this, but like if you're an agent or a manager, it's like oftentimes, or even a promoter in boxer, boxing, it's like oftentimes when your act gets bigger, they want to dump you for the bigger one. Mm -hmm. So then there's a way of You have to constantly sell on yourself to stay with them too. Yes. So you have that sort of setback. You bring back this character. And here's what I want to add to everybody. You have this really unique thing. I introduced you as Charlie Rocket, which is sort of your new persona. Mm -hmm. but you were CEO Charlie then. See, what you did that's really brilliant to me, man, I just want to tell you this, is like you took control of what your identity was. Mm -hmm. You even named it, which is an extreme thing to do. But see, everybody has an identity of what mm -hmm. they, how they see themselves. You were just conscious of it. It's like, you know what? I'm just going to make this identity real, yes. right? So you actually called it something. And it, maybe not everybody should be running around going, I'm publicly, I'm CEO Eddie, or I'm intense mm -hmm. baller J Dave. Or, <laughs> but you know what? You should be taking control privately of what you call yourself. You should be taking control privately of your identity mm -hmm. because you actually became CEO Charlie as a result of almost creating like a character to do it. So go ahead and keep us going from there. So here I am, fired, back in my mom's basement. I put the suit back on and I said, tunnel vision, no hip hop distraction. And I found this group, their name was Travis Porter. They mm -hmm. were on the east side of Atlanta and I said, they were living in their mom's house. I was living in my mom's house. I said, listen, I will make you a star if you just stay loyal. Mm. I drove from every radio station, mm -hmm. from Jackson, Mississippi to Washington, DC. Mm. We didn't have a budget. It takes a lot of money to work yeah. records to radio. Yep. And I would go to the radio station and I would, I would come up with a system. 
okay, the, the mix show DJs, they're the ones who are in the clubs and they play like the six o'clock hour and they're doing the mixes and, and the program directors listen to those guys. So I'd go to Jackson, Mississippi. I would ask all the mix show DJs, can I take you out to lunch? Who doesn't love free food? So mm -hmm. I'd take them out to lunch. I would talk to them. I would show them the footage of, you know, our fan base. They mm -hmm. really like these guys. He said, yeah, we'll give them a shot. Give mm -hmm. them hoodies with their names on the back. Mm -hmm. Very proactive. Mm -hmm. I'd give each DJ a salute the DJ hoodie with their name, just like final pressed on the back, but mm. they loved it. Mm. And it had Travis Porter on it. Mm. And then I said, well, what's your program director's name? Mm. And he was telling me so-and-so and so. I said, okay, I'm gonna come back tomorrow and I'm gonna talk to him, can one of y'all set up a meeting? Mm. And a lot of times they wouldn't set up a meeting, mm. they couldn't, you know, mm -hmm. program directors are approached mm -hmm. by everybody and they're only interested in getting big checks from mm. record labels. Yes. So I would stand outside, look in the window, it's some podunk radio station somewhere even I'm, sometimes. I'm talking about these radio stations are literally little boxes on the side of a two-lane highway with yeah. satellites in the yep. back with a little fence around it. And you like, just wait till they come get you, come out and get you. And once they would walk outside, they were like, what is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I want to show you something. Mm -hmm. And I said, look at this. And mm -hmm. I'll show them a video of mm -hmm. fans screaming, kids screaming mm -hmm. as my group is performing. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is what's going on. I know something you don't know. Mm -hmm. You have to sell advertisement. Mm -hmm. You need good songs that people like in order to sell advertisement. I don't have a check for you, mm -hmm. but I have a hit record for you. Man. And we took three records, top 20 in the nation. Crazy. That way. You in your basement, them in their basement, you just, hu them with great music and you hustling your ass off. But I'm picturing you, all you guys, all you people rather out there that are in sales. I want you to picture this young man on no budget, getting in his car and just driving alone to these stations with just the hope and the dream of getting there and then getting rejected and going to the next station, maybe getting a yes, going to the next station, getting a no, next station, getting a no, next station, a no, next station, a yes. And you just humping it up that, because what that is, is that's the lonely journey. Yours is the perfect metaphor because it was lonely. You were in the car, you were driving, but to become successful, everybody, oftentimes it's that lonely journey where you're even probably questioning yourself sometimes you're driving, but you just poured your damn heart yes. into this and get, to, how many top tens? How many? Three. Three. That group had three top 10 records. That is bananas. Without man. a record deal. Yeah. And that's just flat out having the courage, the guts to hump it up and go hustle every station along the East coast. That's just, that's mind blowing. I just, I respect you because I picture that drive. Cause I know what it's like when I was in my career in financial services and getting into my car and driving to another point when I've been rejected the previous five, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the key thing is when you've been rejected the previous five, showing up to the six like you've never been rejected before, mm -hmm. like it's the first time you've ever said it, right? And keeping it fresh all the time. Yeah. I'm picturing you on that, you know, 80th station saying it like it's the first time. That's right. So that happens. How the heck does that lead to two chains? Did they see the success that you had with this group or, or what happened? So. It kind of was crazy before before we got to two chains. Okay. Because we, I, I didn't want to sign a record deal with Travis Porter because I didn't want their heads to blow up too mm -hmm. fast like my previous group. Yep. But every record label in the country is calling, mm -hmm. and I remembered one day P Diddy called me, mm -hmm. and he says, "I love your group. I want to sign them." Mm -hmm. We weren't interested in signing P. Diddy, and I had to get up the balls to tell him that. Because it's like, I'm 19 years old, I'm laying in my bed. Talking to an icon. Talking to an icon, and right. I'm, I'm in like a little, like 550 square foot, mm -hmm. like very just small little yep. $500 a month apartment. Yep. And um, I'm having to tell P. Diddy. So fast forward, and I'm negotiating this huge record deal, 19 years old, and the record labels are like, we want to fly you up to New York, and I'm like, no. I'm gonna fly myself up to New York mm. so I can go across the street and meet with your competitor. Mm. Because if you fly me, and I was just this hard-headed kid. How do you kid, know that at 19? I don't know, it yeah. just made sense. Yeah, okay. It made sense not to let somebody do you a favor. Because okay. if they do you a favor, you can't do what you wanna do. Mm. So and, I yeah. wanted to be a self-made man. Mm. And I wanted to negotiate the biggest record deal going on in hip hop, mm. and it successfully happened. And we're in New York, and we're going around, and I've never told anybody this okay. story. We're going around, we meet with Warner Brothers Records. First meeting in the morning. It was so early, my group actually fell asleep at the conference table in the meeting. And I was like, it was like a real hip hop thing. Like they're like knocked out high. Like, and I'm there like trying to convince Warner Brothers. 
And then we go over to meet with Monty and Avery Littman, mm. who own Universal mm -hmm. Music Group. Mm -hmm. And they take us to Mr. Chow's. Mm. And we're just kids. We're like, whoa, yeah, like whoa. this might be the best meal we've ever had in right. our lives. We don't even know what this is. This is like right. chicken and uh, this <laughs> lettuce wrap thing. And we're like, the bill had to be $3,000. Mm. But we're like, order whatever you want. Mm. And then we go across the street to Jive Records. This is, ends the day of the big negotiations. We get off the elevators and there's Travis Porter posters everywhere. They're covering up Justin Timberlake for us. They're covering up Britney Spears for us. Travis Porter, everybody's wearing Travis Porter shirts. There's balloons everywhere. I'm like, I feel like we're like in a movie, walking in slow motion. Yeah. And, and we're like, this is where we want to sign. They care about us here. Mm. Had a great meeting. Mm. It was amazing. Everything I can ever imagine. And they, offer, they were offering the big money. Okay. They came, they said, we're going to give you the money you're asking for. And I'm like, ah. Okay. Get back to my hotel room. It's late at night, maybe like uh, 11 o'clock. Mm -hmm. I'm in the shower, showering up, and my phone's ringing on the sink. And I look out the curtain, look over, P. Diddy. I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm not answering this. Mm -hmm. Get back in the shower. Rings again, P. Diddy. And um, after about 10 calls, I pick up. He's relentless. Relentless, man. A lot like me when mm -hmm. I'm at the radio yeah. station. And I answer the phone. First thing he says is, you're going to come to my city mm -hmm. and not give me the respect to be in the conversation? And I'm like, Diddy, I already told you. I was always honest with mm -hmm. him. I was never let him, you know, on. And he said, at least show me the respect to meet with me. I'm sitting in a car. I said, the fellas are going out to the club with mm -hmm. Universal. Universal's taking them to Greenhouse, a mm -hmm. popular club in New York. And he says, no, at least show me the respect. That's all I asked for is the respect. He, he wore me down. Okay. He sent a car. We go over to his penthouse. We're going up, knock on the door. And the most beautiful woman of all time <laughs> opens the door, Cassie. Mm. I like almost fell off. Like I'm, we're in his apartment. Cassie is dragging this four-foot bottle of Moet across mm. the floor. I mean, everything you can dream of from a movie. <laughs> and here we are, not wanting to sign with him, but we're at Diddy's. Yeah. We're like we're living the life, overlooking the city. And he said, "Let me take him out to the." I said, I already told you they're going out with Universal. Mm -hmm. He said, they can do two clubs in one night. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't do that to who I've already made a commitment to. He, he said, let me talk to you for a second. Mm -hmm. um, I go home to the, uh, to the hotel you're and right. I go to sleep. Yeah, I don't club, party. Dude. You don't drink. I don't drink. Right. And I wake up the next morning to a friend who sent me a picture of the New York Post. And it says, Travis Porter signs with Diddy. Oh my gosh. Ended up, long story short, we signed with Jive Records. Okay. Um, and we're on top of the world. And Travis Porter is at this music video shoot with Lil Wayne. So it's, it's, we're, not, we, we're not big enough to work with Lil Wayne. Mm -hmm. But we're in this studio with the big white wall, psych wall. Mm -hmm. and, and Lil Wayne's a superstar. Mm -hmm. And we're like, wow. But then this guy walks in, and the atmosphere in the room changed. Everybody stops what they're doing. Six foot six, he looked like a pharaoh. He was dressed perfect, changed jewelry. It was a different type of superstar just walked in. And I'm like, to my business partner knew him. Um, mm -hmm. He did a mixtape with him one time. And, and that's Titty Boy. Man, he's such a star, man. Why hasn't he blown up? Mm. And then I thought about it. This man has everything going against him. One, his name is Titty Boy. You can't even say your name on television <laughs> or the radio. He had everything going against him. But me and my business partners, we were like, we want to sign him. Yeah. We took him solo. He was in a group. We got him out of his deal with Ludacris. We helped him change his name to Two Chains. But what's crazy is, he didn't even want us to manage him. We said, we want to manage you. He wanted this uh, industry manager to manage mm -hmm. him. He looked at us more of like his street team, like, y'all go pass out CDs mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, let me show you what we can do. 
Mm. I took them out to this Italian restaurant, laid out a 30, 60 day, 90 day game plan. Mm. And I said, we are going to blow you up. He's like, you're a kid. He mm. looked at my ID one time and said, under 21, he laughed at me. Mm. He's like, I've been in the game longer than you've been alive. Mm. And I said, no, let me show you how it's done nowadays. So that's how you get two chains? That's how we got two chains. What did you, so everyone now, now this is where like, this is where I find you. Okay. Okay, so like, the, the, the story of how you became successful all the way to a Grammy and millions of dollars just from your mother's basement legitimately and literally, right? Mm -hmm. And all of the setbacks and rejections and it's just an unreal story. But what, what makes it compelling to me is then, look, when most people get lifted up, they put out their representative. The best version of them is constantly in public. The best version of them is constantly in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. And I have this real thing I've been talking about a lot lately, which is I think one of the key emotions in life that takes the most courage is to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Vulnerability, if, you'll be, if you're willing to take the risk of being vulnerable, on the other side of that is magnetized gratitude, magnetized mm -hmm. happiness, connections, abundance, Freedom. peace of mind. Freedom, what a great word. And for me, especially being so young, it's one thing for a 47-year-old guy like me to kind of arrive at the point in their life where they go, I just don't care, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to be vulnerable now. It's a completely different thing for a young man in the entertainment business uh, who's getting all of the things of life you would think you want. He's mm -hmm. around these beautiful women. He's making all this money. He's got the best friends, the best relationships. He's in the exciting, you know, venues, getting some accolades, getting recognition. To then be vulnerable at that point, brother, that's like really courageous of you. And so where I find you is now is, tell the story. You're, you're at the midst of the, the peak of success in one area, your career and your money, but there's other parts of you that are really not doing very well at the time. So take us to that point and then what you end up doing about it. So as 2 Chains' career took off, mm -hmm. business got big mm -hmm. and I got big. Um, I was always overweight my entire life, mm -hmm. but when I was eight years old, I wanted to be an athlete. That was my dream that I just buried to become CEO Charlie. And here I am getting everything I asked for. Mm. I said CEO Charlie was a real thing and I got it. We won a Grammy, we had world tours, and, 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 and the darkest point happened for me shortly after we won the Grammy. Okay. I didn't even go to the Grammys. I was, mm. in, I was in LA, I didn't even wanna go. It meant nothing to me. Mm. I looked at my life at 305 pounds. Hard to imagine, yeah. Diagnosed with a brain tumor, mm -hmm. pituitary tumor, wrapped around my left optic nerve, the artery that goes into my brain and started corroding the top of my spinal cord. And business and money meant nothing. Mm -hmm. It meant nothing. I was sitting on a beach um, in Newport. I would just like wanted to go get away from anybody and I'll just sit there with my notebook trying to figure life out and I, I saw this screen. I closed my eyes and I saw this screen and it's like I'm watching my, my life movie. And have you ever seen a movie that sucks? <laughs> like the ending is terrible? Mm -hmm. I'm like looking at my life and I'm like that movie is terrible. <laughs> that can't be it. And I said the words, I said my story isn't over yet. Comma. What was my dream before I started thinking about what was realistic in society, big houses or cars or businesses? What was my dream? And my dream was to be an athlete. It's yeah. not something you downloaded or chose. Mm. It's automatically there. And I couldn't help that I love sports. That's mm. just what I love. Mm. And I buried that to get into business. And business had this trap where stress led to food. Okay. Deal making led to food. Mm -hmm. And success and celebration led to food. Mm -hmm. So all parts of my day, good, bad, or just functional, yeah. all formed an addiction, a binge eating addiction, because here I am dieting on one hand all mm. the time to yeah. try to lose the weight. And on the other hand, I'm, I'm, I'm beating myself up if I mess up. So it's like I, I trip down one step and then push myself down the rest and then repeat the cycle every day to be over 300 pounds. Yeah, and you're also in an industry, brother. By the way, amazing that you've lost 130 pounds. Congratulations Thank so you, far, amazing. 
let's stay on this point just for a minute. Everybody listen, this is pretty gripped right now, right? So the first thing is I want to understand that well, you got heavy. You got heavy because you had the binge eating, you got heavy because of the stress and the lunches and all that. Was there any part of it though? Because I think sometimes our challenges feed on themselves. So I'm wondering if you, you're also in this very glamorous industry that's mm -hmm. very looks oriented, no matter mm -hmm. who you are, behind the scenes or in front of the scenes, right? Front of the camera. So this is this part of you like you're just watching all these people on that are in your industry that you're connecting with looking great, party and having mm -hmm. a great time and great shape. Would that cause you to like stay home and eat more or? 100%. Really? I wondered that, yeah. Like in my mind, I have um, this version of myself. I call it my shadow. And it's, 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 it's the memory of the darkest moment of my life. And the interesting thing about social media is what you were saying earlier, like people just display their avatars. We're looking at their, um, their best life mm -hmm. as like popular culture would say right mm -hmm. now, living my best life. And that's mm -hmm. what people want to display. And when I wake up in the morning at 305 pounds, the very first thought that goes through my head is fear. Mm. Not hatred, not self-hate, no fear. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid to look at the mirror. Mm. I'm afraid of trying on the clothes that I know do not fit. I'd even be afraid to go to the store to buy new clothes. I'd be afraid of the first meal. Mm -hmm. I'd be afraid to walk outside because when somebody sees you gain weight, there's this look of disappointment. They don't want to tell you, but it's this sadness that they have when they see you and you're so out of control. Mm -hmm. So everything apart about my life was fear from the second my eyes opened to late at night when everybody would go out and party to the music we made. And I'm in my room looking at everybody and I would be just depressed and stuck. I never met anybody in my life who said these words. I'm afraid of the weekend. Oh. I was, I would Google it. Is, be, is there such thing, is there a phobia, is there a phobia? of Fridays and yeah. Saturdays? Because mm. I just wanted Monday to come back so I could fit in normally of not mm. having to look good and not having to take pictures and nobody else was partying so there was no social pressure on That's me. Incredible, man. And I just got so fed up. And when I was sitting on that beach and I saw, saw my life and I said, my story isn't over yet, I said, I have to change everything. Let's talk about how you did that. By the way, your story just grips me. I literally find myself like leaning in towards you, right? So there's a few lessons from you I want everyone to hear. First one is that uh, you just flat hustled. Yeah. Second one is you're an identity controller. Mm -hmm. So you were CEO Charlie. And that seems like, oh, that's so kind of hokey or corny. Let me ask you that to listen to this. What's your identity? What do you call yourself? How do you view yourself? Does the world control it or do you control it? Do you take control by, I don't know that you have to put that as your tagline on a business card or on your social media, but you ought to have an identity that you're taking control of, whether that's strength or faith or passion or um, achiever, uh, love, gratitude. You better take control of what the heck you think your identity is because mm -hmm. if you don't, the world will begin to control it for you and define you. So it's a huge other lesson. Third thing, blows my mind how honest you were about the weekend blows my mind about the cycle of eating. I appreciate you talking about how people feel that sadness when they see you and you could sense it. Mm -hmm. um, because I think that also causes people not to want to go to a gym, for example, when they're heavy. They're like, I don't, I'm going to be the heavy one at the gym. Everyone's fit at the gym, right? Mm -hmm. And so these are all things that take such courage for people to do. But the most ballistic thing to me is, and this is where it just gets juicy for me, for you. 305 pound dude sitting on the beach, right? A lot of success financially, a lot of success with friends, socially, you know, uh, your business. 305-pound dude. And by the way, how tall are you? 5'8". 5'8". So this is a big boy. And by the way, <laughs> looked probably 20 years older at the time. If you look at the photos that we'll put up on the YouTube right now. For you to go, athlete. That is just ballsy as heck. For a 305-pound dude who's 5'8", who's already achieving in an industry, go, I'm going to redefine who I am, and I'm gonna become Charlie Rocket, the athlete, I'm gonna take control of that identity. That to me, man, is like one of the coolest <laughs> things I've ever heard. If we had a video camera of that dude, you'd go, athlete, the one million out of a million people would reject that, right? 100. So how do you do it? I want you to tell them about this one thing, and then, because I just think it's maybe one of my favorite things I've ever heard. 
Mm. You said that you had to change the algorithm for your life. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, is this good right here? So, how did you make how you make the shift? But please tell them about the algorithm piece of it. So, let's take for instance social media. Yep. Social media is going to feed us what we like, but it also knows to sample us candy. Mm -hmm. Candy is this thing that tastes good. It's colorful and vibrant, mm -hmm. but if we eat too much of it, we get sick. Mm -hmm. But the thing with the algorithm is, if you like something, now I'm going to show you more of that. Everybody understands that. If you like things on social media, the algorithm tells, tells us to send you more of that same kind of stuff. That's right. Okay. So um, uh, another term for it is um, artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. This is what you like, so let me build this whole world around you of things like that. Mm -hmm. And in my life, I was eating all this candy. It would be the wrong things on social media. Mm -hmm. It would be the wrong things on television. It would be the wrong things just with my friends. Mm -hmm. Everything was, was, that I was consuming was sweet and beautiful, but it was making me sick. Yes. So what I had to do was I had to create a new algorithm for my life. And to, to create a new algorithm, it's like starting a new Instagram page. You got to get rid of everything. You got to unfollow everything. And you've got to now tell the computers, the artificial intelligence, that this is what I want you to bring into my life. Feed me this stuff. Feed me this. Mm -hmm. So I believe in the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. I study quantum physics. Me and Andy Frisella actually talked about it a lot mm -hmm. on his podcast. Is creating the new algorithm for my life was law of attraction. Okay, I'm going to get rid of everything first and foremost. Mm. And I remember the conversation that I had with Two Chains when I told him I was going to retire. I said, I want to walk away from the business. He said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to be an athlete. Dang, I was thinking you're crazy. He did. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, you, you, you almost can't blame him. I said, my name is Charlie Rocket. I'm going to reinvent myself. Hmm. I said, I have to create a life built around me, a business that's built around me that's going to save my life. Because hmm. right now I have a business built around me. All the algorithms around me are killing me. Hmm. I have to reinvent. And the only way I can live is if I create an athlete business built around me. So everything I do, because I love business, I'm mm -hmm. never going to not do business. Mm -hmm. So the only way to save my life is for me to be a professional athlete. <laughs> How are you going to make money? I said, I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> I said, I'm going to do an Ironman in New Zealand in 10 months. I lost 130 pounds. I did that Ironman in New Zealand. Mm. I biked across America. Yep. And I said, I want to be a Nike athlete. That's how I'm going to be a professional athlete. If I can be a Nike athlete, I can actually make this thing work. Mm -hmm. And in Nike's mission statement, it reads, if you have a body, you're an athlete. And I'm like, that's me. Yeah. I'm meant for this company. Yeah. And my very first stock that I bought when I was eight years old was also Nike. Okay. It was like, I was, I was so fascinated by the company. I loved Michael Jordan. I loved basketball. I loved everything sports. And Nike was a motivational, inspirational sports company. Mm -hmm. I like that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a Nike athlete. And that mission statement describes me, but none of their athletes are regular people. Mm. They're all these super high performance intense. And I'm like, I'm gonna be the one who's that common man, regular athlete. Mm. And I said, well, I believe in the law of attraction. If I wanna attract Nike into my life, well, what do Nike athletes have? They have commercials. I said, I need a commercial. I'm gonna make a commercial. And I titled it, the same thing when I was on that beach, I said, my story isn't over yet, comma. comma. That was the name of that commercial, and I told my life story, and I, I got with a filmmaker, and, and we, it cost us like $1,500 to mm -hmm. make. We had a PVC pipe that connected me to him, so the camera never moved. It was yeah. always the same distance from my legs every single time, and yeah. the background would change, and we made this music that had me breathing with my steps to the beat, That's and we just told commercial. the story, and we put it out. And three days later, Nike called me. And they said, we don't know who you are, 
but you have our entire campus in a frenzy. We have to get you up here. They flew me up to Beaverton, Oregon, and they said, we want to support you with everything you're doing. Mm. I'm just blown away. Like I'm being treated like LeBron James <laughs> at Nike, the best performing stock in the Dow 30 mm. this year. They're paying attention mm. to me. Mm. Fast forward a few months. I made a commercial called Dream Crazy. It was a fan-made Nike commercial called mm. Insert Nike Logo Here. And I came up with this tagline about myself called Dream Crazy. Mm. I got a phone call a few weeks later. Nike said, we have a surprise for you. There's a big commercial we're working on with Colin Kaepernick, and we want you to be in it. <laughs> And they titled that commercial Dream Crazy. Come on, man. The most culturally pivoting commercial yep. maybe in history. Ever. Yep. And I was, I was featured in that. And I remember that day, 2 Chains called me. He said, <laughs> you stole my superpowers. I love that, brother. <laughs> like, y'all are hearing this. I know what you're thinking. You're going to be kidding me, man. So from sitting on the beach, 305 pounds, you end up in a daggum Nike commercial like this. Did you hear what he said, by the way? Lost 130, Nike commercial, biked across the United States, starting to reverse the brain tumor, by the way, and uh, is doing Ironmans. Like, the, the thing that's powerful is the combination of this crazy dream, dream mm -hmm. crazy, mm -hmm. but massive monster action. Mm -hmm. I can't stand when people tell me, I'm so on fire for my dream, I got this crazy dream. No action, mm -hmm. or little action. You take massive monster freaking action. I have a hack, I have a life hack for that. Give it. I have this philosophy where I say, everything's gonna be easy. Because usually when we go into something, mm -hmm. we're like, oh man, it's gonna be hard, so we're gonna have to grind, yes. and we're gonna have to grind. And I thought about it, I was like, grinding is like a lot of friction, and that's hard, mm -hmm. and if it's too hard, I might not wanna do it. Mm -hmm. But if I say something's gonna be easy, I'm probably gonna show up. Mm -hmm. And I did that with my Iron Man, and I do that with my businesses. With my Ironman, I was like, okay, Ironman is a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and a 26.2 mile run, a full mm. marathon after doing all that other stuff. Mm. And I said to myself, give me an Ironman training program. And I looked at it and I was like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. Like this many laps at this intensity, heart rate at this, and then sprint for this. I was like, this is too much. Mm. I need something simple. Mm -hmm. How many hours a week do they work out? Mm. It said 14. I said, that's easy. Mm -hmm. Two hours a day. Mm -hmm. When I was eight, we'd ride our bikes with our friends for a couple hours, or we'd go to the pool on a weekend for a couple hours, or we'll be running around the park for a couple hours. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this Ironman. I'm going to train like an eight-year-old, and it's going to be easy. Wonderful. That was my philosophy. That's what actually got me to show up mm. and take the step. Because if I kept saying it's going to be hard, it's going to be hard, it's going to be hard. Yep. Or I could say it's going to be easy. And in my mind, yep. it's easy. Yep. Yep. Now, it took me, you know, 16 hours and 41 minutes to do the Ironman. And I came in second to last place. But if you ask me today, it was easy. Yeah, well, you're one of 1% uh, of the humans on Earth, well, actually one-tenth of 1% who have actually completed an Ironman, and most of them start at 305 pounds when they're five foot eight and do it in about an 18-month window is bananas, right? And so I think, what, I think what it is is what you're saying is, is that no matter what you define it as, you're going to get what you're looking for. So if you, if you think something's easy, you're probably going to find easier paths. What you did is you took a very complex thing, made it simple, because the enemy of executing is complexity. Mm -hmm. So you made it very simple. If you're looking for something that's going to be fun, or you tell yourself it's going to be rewarding, you tell yourself it's going to be all kinds of things worth it, the worst thing you could tell yourself is that it's going to be hard or difficult or a grind. There's other ways to accept the fact that something is work and not call it hard or difficult. It mm -hmm. can be rewarding, mm -hmm. worth it, valuable. Mm. That'll be something I'm proud of when I'm done. There's all different ways to word it other than feeding yourself that horribly negative thought of how hard something or difficult or tragic you meet people all the time like, I'm just getting through life. I'm overcoming. Life's not just about overcoming life. Life's to be embraced. If you're constantly overcoming things, you're going to find more things to overcome. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be adversity coming your way. So super powerful. I want to talk about a few things about you now that I love. One is that you admit that you're a work in progress. Mm -hmm. When you see its content, you're going to be inspired because it's real life content. I told you off camera, one of my frustrations and concerns, although I made a post about it this week, is that people will see my world. You know, mm -hmm. that, you know, seemingly I have some insight into life and I've got the ocean and the beach and the lake and the jets and mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And they would think that I don't have fears. 
-hmm. anxieties, insecurities, stresses, challenges, because I do. I do my best to try to express that, but you do it wonderfully. So like there are videos on your social media that have made me cry. I mean, videos of you taking your shirt off and saying, hey, I'm still not comfortable doing this, but I want you to see where I really am and you running with your shirt off without the all these people in the fitness space ripped and jacked and it's easy to take your shirt off when you're that way. Mm -hmm. It takes some real courage to be the real you. You're not using filters on all your videos, right? Mm -hmm. So I really, really admire it because I think you're giving people hope and you do this for two reasons. I want you to talk about this, about marketing for a minute. For sure. So you have this philosophy of I am in, I, in your marketing. I want you to explain this. So not only is it great social media content that inspires but you also think it's actually a business philosophy. Mm -hmm. So talk about this. This right here, guys, is where you start writing mm -hmm. something down big time. So take them through your marketing, your belief about marketing and, and business on this. So ever, ever since I was little, I, I, I think I've had the gift of seeing around the corner of like where things should go culturally or with marketing. Obviously. And I, I love, love marketing. Mm -hmm. It is my passion. And I, I have this theory called the IMU theory. And it all started with a, a search. I wanted to see what the number one grossing superhero franchise was of all time. And to my surprise, it was Spider-Man. Mm. And I was like, why? Yeah. Why Spider-Man? And I came to the conclusion that it might be because he was the only one that didn't have a chiseled chin. Mm -hmm. He was the only one that didn't have muscles. His aunt couldn't pay the rent. He was just a regular guy. Yeah. And yet, He's number one. Mm. And I said, okay, well, does this hold true with other things? And I was, Google search, uh, what's the number one religion in the world mm. as far as a uh, number of followers? Mm. And it, it came out to be Christianity. And I was like, why? And then studying Jesus is, okay, carpenter, uh, uh, hangs out with poor people. He only had 12 followers at the time. And, and, and he probably would have had more followers if if he came on a horse with the, with the armor and the sword and uh, I am the great savior. Mm -hmm. And that's what most of us are doing mm. culturally with our marketing or with social media. And, 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 the, and the paradigm is this, it is, it is I'm so perfect yeah. and all of y'all are not, that's why you should follow me because I'm at the top. But then I thought about it, does this I am you theory, okay, it worked for Spider-Man, it worked for Jesus, does it work for a corporation? If it works for a corporation, this might be a real might be theory. Here. Yeah. So I said, okay, what's the biggest corporation in the world? Apple, first trillion dollar company. And I thought about it. Its leader was Steve Jobs. Yes. The first CEO ever to take the suit off, and he honestly looks like my dad. Mm -hmm. So and when he passed away, everybody's crying. We've mm -hmm. never seen this from a CEO before. Yep. Yep. They're crying, they're memorials. Mm -hmm. He was us. Yes. And he even named his products, instead of Inspiron 3000, he named his product Lisa yeah. Macintosh. And, and, and his biggest hit product that blew up the company was iPod, I. mm -hmm. iPhone. He literally wanted the products to be just like us. That he named them human names and made them us. And then I thought about it with Michael Jordan versus Kobe Bryant. Michael Jordan will catch the ball in the second quarter of a regular season game and 20,000 cameras are going off. I've never experienced nothing yeah. against LeBron, nothing right. against Kobe, but that has only happened with one individual. Yep. Michael Jordan has said, why? He had one gift. And it's not LeBron's fault. Mm -hmm. It's not Kobe's fault. But Jordan was the scrawny kid who got cut from his high school basketball team. Yeah. And that's what made him us. Mm -hmm. That's what made the difference in, in everything that surrounded him is his story. He was us and he had the song. You like Mike? Sometimes I dream that he is me. I dream of all the things that I could be. Boom, 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 boom. It was the I Am You song mm -hmm. where Kobe is the black mamba. Yeah. He's alone. Mm -hmm. He's nothing like us. Mm -hmm. Where Mike in that commercial, the ball hits him in the head and he's playing with the kids. Yes. He was us. And yes. then we think about Oprah. The biggest things in the world are not trying to be the most different as us. They're literally just like us. Yes. But in social media today, it's 
I'm not like you, I'm not like you, I'm not like you, that's why you should follow me. But the biggest things in the world flip the paradigm and say, I'm just like you, I'm just like you, I'm just like you, follow me. So why aren't we marketing that way? Brilliant and true and like one of my favorite things I've ever heard ever, ever, ever on this show. Because brother, that's a hundred million percent correct. And in fact, there's a detriment when someone is uh, propagating the idea that they are perfect and you are not. You watch their stuff, it's like almost like heroin. It feels good when you're watching it, but it hurts you when you're done with it because mm-hmm. you can't measure up. You're not as beautiful. You're not as articulate. You can't dance like them. You don't sing like them. And you take that, bro, so like to an extreme with your content. And it's why I want more people to follow you because they can go on this journey with you. It also takes away the excuses many of you are feeding yourself. I'm not beautiful enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not fit enough, I'm not, I don't have the best content. Listen, what you wanna get is that people connect with you, that they think you're like them, and then they begin to root for you. More and more people are becoming successful when people are rooting for them because you can connect with them than they are to think that you're somehow brilliant or different or special than they are. I happen to think it's incredible because I do think you're brilliant. I do think you have an unusually large heart. So I just picture this little boy, man, carrying his briefcase to school with a suit on. You know, that's special. That's a, that's a little boy with heart, with a dream, dream crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And I picture you in the basement. I picture you knocking on those doors for the radio stuff. I picture that first group dropping you. And I picture you getting, you know, and then I picture this guy winning but not happy in his life, so he's eating and eating and eating. And I picture the courage of walking away when you've got this, you know, Grammy-nominated and winning act and to shift gears to where you are now to this Charlie Rocket um, identity that you have now. What are you trying to do with it? In other words, what's the message from you? So you're in the midst of still trying to leave and lose more weight, mm-hmm. right? Do you, do you still have bad days? Oh my God. Um, probably the past two weeks I've probably gained five pounds. Like I was a little frustrated coming over here. Like I did an Instagram story as I was coming over here and I was just like, Jesus, like I could tell like when my face is lean and then getting on camera is just uh, is deeply rooted stuff from my whole life. But getting on camera is hard. Mm. But um, you look great. Thank you. You look great. It's the first thing I told you <laughs> when you got here. But so you still do, you still, you still have setbacks. You oh, yeah. still once in a while eat when you shouldn't or don't work out when you should mm-hmm. or you still have those oh, setbacks. Yeah. It's a it's an ongoing journey. And I realized that I've never been the you should guy. I never tell somebody what they should do. Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm smart enough or an mm-hmm. expert enough mm-hmm. to say those words because I might think I have something figured out and then a year or two later, I'm like, well, I really didn't have it figured out. So I just try to teach people through my lessons. Yes, so some hard questions, okay? All right. You slipped up and gained five pounds. How do you get yourself out of that? What's something everyone can learn from you? What are you doing to get out of it? Okay. Get back on track. Um, the first thing I do is um, I gotta play offense. Like, it, I feel like, when I'm when I'm happiest is when it, it my happiness doesn't come from a goal. Mm-hmm. I feel like okay, if the universe is ever expanding, that means like it's moving mm-hmm. that way. If I'm staying in the same spot, I'm not happy. Right. As long as like I can just eat right today and I'll wake up tomorrow and be like only like 0.3 pounds different, but I'm looking at a totally different person in the mirror because I'm happy. So I do this thing called I'm on a winning streak. Okay. And this is where I get my momentum. It'll be the simplest things. If I'm looking for wins, I'm gonna get them. Yes. I'll go to Starbucks Mm -hmm. and I'll order my little uh, espresso shot Mm -hmm. and they'll tell me $2.60. And I said, all that happiness for only $2.60? I'm on a winning streak. This is great because I'm gonna be a lot happier when I drink that than when I want, so that's a win. And then I got like the last hotel room at a hotel when I was traveling, they were about to be sold out. I'm like, I'm on a winning streak. And when I'm looking for these winning streaks, more wins come. So a lot of times when things are crashing around us, or things are bad, we're a little bit focused. So I just do the one little trick. I'm on a winning streak. What's a good winning streak? I'm with you right now. Winning streak, yeah. boom, I got the green light. <coughs> winning streak, I'm, I acknowledge Ooh, the winning streaks boy. and it just attracts so much more. Bro, I, you say stuff I've not heard anybody say. I mean, that's absolutely awesome. And the reason it works, I want everyone to hear this because we're going back and forth here. The reason that works is number one, you do get what you're looking for. So when you decide I'm on a winning streak, here's what happens. There's that part of your brain I talk about in my book called the reticular activating system. This is the scientific mm. part, but I just want you to understand this isn't like philosophy. 
This is science, yeah. what he's giving you. It's where they converge. So philosophically, I know you're right. Scientifically, I really know you're right. Mm -hmm. Because there's a part of your brain called the reticular activating system, and it's a filter. It filters out everything that's not important to you. So once you start programming and saying, I'm on a winning streak, I'm on a winning streak, your brain goes to work in every sensory way, visual, kinesthetic, touch, auditory, you name it, to show you more winning streaks. Mm -hmm. that is, and that's why the other side also happens. When you're in a slump and you're eating bad and you begin to beat yourself up, you will see more ways to beat yourself up, more ways to slide down that slide into the abyss of feeling terrible about yourself. Mm -hmm. So just take what you do well, man, is you take control of your identity mm -hmm. by these monikers you give yourself. You've mm -hmm. controlled the identity. You control the action you take. And then in this case, you're controlling what you're looking for mm -hmm. by the winning streak. That is so good, man. Like, I <laughs> hope everybody hears this. I want to ask you a hard question because you're unique. And I'm doing this as a gift to you to just be aware of it. Okay. But a question I want you to answer in front of me. Mm -hmm. First off, he's telling you that you should be vulnerable in all of your posts and your social media. And even if you're not on social media, just in your life, vulnerability will bring you more. It's risky because people will reject you when you're vulnerable. You'll get some hate when you're vulnerable. But the fact of the matter is it opens you up to way more love, way more gratitude, way more connection, way more achievement, way more money, way more fitness, way more peace, way more everything. So vulnerability is a gateway to these things. And that's what you, you define vulnerability to me. But... You have this identity now that you're in transition. Mm -hmm. Follow me on my journey. How do you make sure, because everyone get this, how do you make sure that that doesn't become your identity? Mm. In other words, I'm vulnerable. Watch my ups and downs. Watch my bells. How does that, how do you guard against that not becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy? So that like, I do, I do reveal my imperfections all the time, so I better be coming up with some imperfections from time to time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, man. And so sometimes people get into these... I've got the answer. Okay, give it to me. I'm not meant to do one thing. There's going to be chapters in my life. When I enter a new chapter, I'm going to face a challenge. I'm going to have another big dream, another big mission. And there will always be something that is the truth. It's not just vulnerability. It's just being truthful. Mm -hmm. I, I thought about a lot of the big motivators who I follow, mm -hmm. and I won't say any names, but I, like I hear them with their big goals, and I'm like, you might not get to your goal because you never go through anything. If you truly <laughs> want to transcend and be that true success that you're, you've been working towards, you can't be perfect. Mm -hmm. If you allow us to go through something with you, you will transcend beyond because right now you're in a trap. Motiva you're in the motivator trap to where you can't ever contradict yourself because you've been saying you should for so long that if you go through anything, you would feel like you're letting everybody down because you're not even taking your own advice and just saying suck it up. Yeah. So that's a trap. I never want to be in that trap. Yeah. I never want to look like I'm having to contradict myself. But the truth is, everybody's going through something. Yeah. And what they're putting on social media is an avatar. And yes, it's inspirational. And there are great things that come out of it. But if you truly want, like, why aren't we studying Oprah, man? Mm -hmm. she, you know what's beautiful about her? She never got to the finish line. Yeah, there is She's no finish line. still yep. overweight. She never got there. Yep. That's what's amazing. She yeah. tried. We watched her fail. She tried again. We did. She's us. Yeah. She's not perfect telling example. people how to be so perfect. Yeah. And and if and if we want to be great, just tell the truth. That's yeah. what it comes down to. People will people will connect with you in a way that they can't if they just feel like you're not authentic, that you're not congruent. You know, mm -hmm. the other thing is like do what you say. You know, be congruency is a really powerful thing. Just like do what you say. Like I'm not saying you're not going to slip back on a, on your routine, but like be reveal to people who you really are, which is what you mean about being truthful. Let me ask you a couple things. Mm -hmm. um, First off, where do they find you? Because I know they're, I don't like to do that at the very end. Mm -hmm. So where do they find you? What's the best way to connect with you? Um, at Charlie on Instagram. It was super dope how I got the name. Yeah. Like, it's just, I, I, I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm like, I'm glad I get to interview you now before the movie comes out. <laughs> no, seriously, because he's got a book coming out that you'll be hearing about soon. We can't talk about it yet today, really, but there's a great book that's going to be coming out here in the near future. So if they're following you at Charlie mm -hmm. on uh, Instagram, that's the best place to get you. 100%. And go on the journey with them. Please. You know, go on the journey. It's going to, it's going to inspire you. It's going to, it's going to move you. I mean, some of this is literally going to move you. 
um, when you see it. So tell me a little bit for you, where are you at? Do you want to lose more weight? What's the future for you? What are some of your big ambitions and goals right now? What are you, what are you working towards? Uh, three goals for next year. And I always make contracts to myself. Mm. Like at the end of the year, I want to make a contract and I'll sign it and I put it on my refrigerator. Mm. That's what I did when I said I want to be top 1% of athletes in the world. I want to complete an Ironman. I wrote that at the end of 2016, 2017, and 2018. I did it. So this upcoming year, I want for the first time to experience looking in the mirror and loving what I see. For the first time, I want this year is the year that I get to experience that and I'm going to love it and I'm going to move on. Once I experience it, I'm going to stay there and I'm going to move on to the next thing. That's the first thing. I don't want to I don't want to have to not like the way I look. The second thing is I want to be one of the best storytellers in the world. I feel like I was given this life. Mm -hmm. I never knew my story was interesting Mm -hmm. until this past year. All this just started in January. I told my story. I saw people's eyes light up and their hearts start singing. And I said, I want to be an amazing storyteller. And I want to go at least 200 speaking engagements this year. And uh, the third thing is the book, The Life and Death of CEO Charlie is coming out. And Mm -hmm. maybe we'll write a book about the IMU theory. By the way, you should write a book about that. I also want to tell you, I think you can check box two minus the 200 engagements. I think you're an incredible flipping storyteller. Thank you. I really do. I I already think you can check box two, and I found anything I can do to help check box one and three, and the remainder of two, you know that I'm in. I I want to get this. That's why we're doing this today. I want the world to know more and more about you. I feel like you're magic. Um, That's a compliment right there. Magic. You are magic. I like magic. Your life's magic. You're magic. Yet, um, you are me. You are everybody else. And so I think what you do is you reveal the, you reveal the people that there's magic in them by being very much like you. Mm-hmm. And it's such a powerful thing. It's different when someone's words inspire than when their example and story does. Mm-hmm. And you're the combination of both. Your words are magnificent, but what's really inspirational, is, I told you this off camera, it's the actual true story of who you are in your life. So let's shift away from you. Okay. And by the way, and let's just talk for the remaining time here to other people. Mm-hmm. So... Man, do a lot of people connect with you. And so let's just take somebody, for example, right now who says, hey, man, I know what it's like not to like what I look like in the mirror, too. They're a man or a woman. I don't like how I feel about how I look. Or I don't like me. Forget how I look. I just don't like me. And you're going to make that your ambition for next year. Can you give me some insight as to how you're going to make those moves and any recommendation to them to begin to, if you want to call it self-love, okay? Mm-hmm. Is there steps towards that you're taking, you're in progress of, and anything you'd recommend to them? Man, I I wish I had a good answer, but Mm. the only thing I've got is something I experimented with. Okay. So Nike challenged me to do the Chicago Marathon. It was going to be this big campaign where my heaviest weight was 305, and to qualify for the Boston Marathon is three hours and five minutes. So it was like this big thing, and I'm like, let's do it. Like, I'm ready. Because when I finished my Ironman, I wasn't at my goal weight. So I didn't truly celebrate that finish line. And then when I biked across America, I crossed the finish line, and I still wasn't at my goal weight. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, sign me up for the next big adventure, because when I run a marathon that fast mm-hmm. in three hours and five minutes, mm-hmm. there's no way I'm going to be overweight. Mm-hmm. It would be impossible. It's an all-out sprint for three hours and five minutes. Mm-hmm. And so here I am training and I got a leg injury. I didn't have a day of training to miss. Mm. And here I have a calf injury. Mm -hmm. And I started beating myself up and I started gaining a little bit of weight. The Chicago Marathon, which was my qualifying marathon, is, is, is three weeks away. I just go through the motions, get up to the distance, boom, I'm there in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. And if you look back on my Instagram, I talk about it. Like, I'm just like, I'm going through something, like, mm-hmm. like whatever. I'm mm-hmm. taking a break from Instagram for a week. I'm mm-hmm. just trying to find myself. And I woke up that morning, and I was looking in the mirror. I was wearing a blue shirt. I was like, I hate the way I look. I'm about to cross another epic finish line in my life, mm-hmm. and I'm not at my goal. Mm-hmm. And I was beating myself up. And when you're wearing a shirt, mm-hmm. technically you're trying to cover up your imperfections, mm-hmm. but then you don't look good in it. And I was just so desperate to look for some answer. And I'm like, I hate what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. And it was so 
frustrated, you just want to scream. Mm -hmm. And I said, what if I go back to the one thing I know how to do? Mm -hmm. And that's the identity. Yes. If I want to be something, let me dress up as it. Okay. And I told my best friend, Scott, can you please get me a marker? And I took my shirt off and I wrote self-love. You did use those words. I just used those a few well. And when I started running the marathon, it was raining and it was cold. Mm -hmm. I took my shirt off. Mm -hmm. And within 10 seconds, somebody screamed at me, self-love. And I was like, whoa, like caught off their passion. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, everybody, there's hundreds of thousands. Chicago Marathon's one of the biggest marathons mm -hmm. in the world, top 10 marathons in the world. And people are screaming at me, self-love, go self-love. And they're installing all this passion into me mm -hmm. from something that where it's all my perfections, mm -hmm. imperfections. Mm -hmm. I'm just like taking my shirt off is hard. Sure. Like as a kid, I would never take my shirt mm -hmm. off at the pool or at the beach. If we play basketball shirts for skins, I would drop out. I'm not ever going to take my shirt off. So running in front of hundreds of thousands of people is very difficult. Sure. But they installed in me something that I had never experienced before. It was my imperfections that they loved. And I, was, I wrote what I wanted to be, what I needed in my life. I wrote it on me. And they gave it to me. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it, it, it made me feel so much more comfortable. It gave me the freedom wow. to... I, I still don't love what I see, yeah. but I'm not beating myself up. Yep. Because after 100,000 people yeah. are telling you that what you did and mm -hmm. what you look like encouraged them, and it gave them some sort of passion than yeah. just high five and like, ah, it it. I it think that's a huge something. answer, man. And I think everybody should get, take from that too, is that you can start to control that identity. I want you to do me a favor though. Just do me this one favor. Mm -hmm. I want you to start to celebrate the wins as you go. Mm -hmm. The reason I say that to you is, and I want everyone to hear this because we're talking back and forth, is um, that whole part about the winning streak, how you see more mm -hmm. winning streaks. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you cheat yourself out of celebrating these very significant achievements of yes. your life and you delay that celebration until a future place that you'll never arrive there. Mm -hmm. And your brain likes the dopamine hit you become more addicted to the achievements mm. and you need to celebrate it because it feeds your identity. Someone who's really a winner will have had previous celebrations. Mm -hmm. Okay, so please make sure that you're, because what you've done, I even watch you when we're talking. Mm -hmm. And I observe people pretty closely because I coach them. And one of the things that I observe about you is that um, you don't receive a compliment very well. No, nope, never have. Yeah, okay. And, yeah. And, and so that tells me that sometimes perhaps even when I'm telling you the truth about you, mm. Um, see, there's, let me say something to everybody. This is going to be a breakthrough moment. There's your version of the truth about you. Mm -hmm. There's my version of the truth about you. And then there's the truth about you. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when we think we're revealing the truth about ourselves, mm -hmm. perhaps part of that's our truth and part, part of that is a, an insecurity or a weakness we're projecting upon ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because I do think you're magic. I think your transformation is freaking incredible what you've done. And I think the more you begin to acknowledge how incredible it is, um, you're a super good-looking dude. Like, wait, not because you weren't before. If you, if forget what you look like before, you're a very handsome, good-looking dude. There's gonna be some DMs flying in right now your way, right? So, so I think you need. I to have be, a girlfriend for the first time in my life. It could, is uh, so no DMs. So no please. DMs. By the way, she really loves you now. <laughs> so, so, but to be very clear with you, those DMs can just be you look great, everybody. So, but I, but I want to be clear with you. I want you to celebrate your victories because mm -hmm. you're going to begin to find more of them when you do that. And I want you to begin to let other people tell you how wonderful you are because it always concerns me when I see somebody making a transformation mm. and when I acknowledge them, because I know what it's like, because mm. I've been this way for many years. I used to have a very hard time. In fact, when people would give me a compliment, I would almost say, well, not really. Let me tell mm -hmm. you about this. Like I wouldn't even not take it. I don't actually sell them they were wrong. And I realized this is sort of reflective of something I actually think. Mm. And so it's great to have humility. It's great to be humble, but it's not great not to really believe great things about yourself. Mm. And so. I think you're one of the most unique, incredible young people I've ever met in my life. I think the, what you're doing is taking the, your life story, which is magic and imperfections and real life all combined, and making a huge shift for people. I, I was just struck, man. Like, I've, I, I feel like today just flew, right? Like, it just flew. Like, when I'm doing great interviews, I'm like, I want to go 40 more minutes. Mm. 
there's a threshold of what I know people will listen to for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. And so because I want this conversation extended, I do want you all to follow Charlie. And so that's where the conversation can become extended. You're going to leave me and him and you're going to connect with him. And so I'm handing my beautiful audience over to you and asking them to come follow you. Um, I'm blown away by your wisdom for a 30 year old man. Um, I'm blown away by your truth and your vulnerability. Your ability to communicate is off the charts. My secret uh, belief is that you have an extraordinary IQ, although I know you won't admit that. I just think there's some brilliance in there that's it's not normal for 30 years old. One of the reasons I think you're so brilliant, though, is, and this is another lesson for everybody at the finish here, you've had a ton of experience in 30 years, mm-hmm. right? There's no substitute for just real life experience. You can only get so much out of listening to an interview or you know reading a book. There is, it becomes a point in your life where you have to go get experience, and that's mm-hmm. where you'll grow exponentially a hundred times fold and getting experience, but I think you're incredible, man. And like, I'm really glad I said yes to this interview. <laughs> I'm glad for, I'm grateful for all of the people out there struggling with different parts of their life that you're helping. And um, I wanna say something yeah. to your audience. Um, Cause it's very contrasting. Mm-hmm. How you approached me, and you're one of the biggest. Mm-hmm. And I think it says something, cause I'm at, I'm, I'm at a very infant stage mm-hmm. of um, my career mm-hmm. as um, somebody who is of inspiration. Yeah. So I'm getting a first person view of who I want to be. Yeah. Like I'm literally like, cause here are mentors or mm. people who I look up to and now I'm getting to interact with them and I'm getting to see who do I want to be? And you DM'd me. Mm-hmm. And now I'm messaging people and DMing people mm-hmm. and they're telling me no or mm-hmm. leaving me ignored. And you DM'd me and you said, some people have reached out to me about you. Would you like yeah. to be on my podcast? Like mm-hmm. you came to me so humbly <laughs> and so like just, and it's like, wow, are the biggest in the world, is this how they operate? Yes, because there's different ways you can do a show, frankly. You can say, I just wanna do a show where I get the most well-known people only. Mm-hmm. And obviously you know who my friends are. There's a whole bunch of very well-known people who will probably eventually be on the show and have been in the past. So that the show grows, or you can really serve people with people that have the messages that can affect them the most. And so Mm -hmm. you're both, I'm catching you like a stock on the upswing. Mm. I already know where you're going. We're gonna look look back in two years and go, Charlie was on Ed's show when he was at that stage. Now look where he is with the book that sold four million copies, right? And and so the Netflix special that's on him, the documentary. And so for me, it's just bringing people in that I know my audience can benefit from, that they can help, and people that I think are magic or wonderful or have maxed out. And so it's it's, it's not corny to me. I said, this show is called Max Out. My gosh, dude, mm. you maxed out 30 years of life so far. <laughs> I mean, th- with undoubtedly, you fit the description of maxing out. And so it's been a pleasure and an honor to have you here. I'm grateful. I win today. My audience wins today. And, um, and I want them to continue to win by following you. I, I endorse this guy. I think he's incredible. And so thank you so much for today, Charlie. Thank you, man. It was awesome, brother. That so everyone, good. I know, I already know. I know you enjoyed today. I know it affected your life. I know it's emotional for you, but hopefully you also got some strategies and some real tactics for your business and your life from Charlie and I today. If that is the case, please make sure every single day that you are sharing the message of this show. It's the fastest growing show in the world for a reason. Spread mm. the word on Instagram every day. I do the two minute drill, which basically means this. I make a post within two minutes. If you make a comment with hashtag max out, you get a coaching call with me or gear or my book. Would you do a coaching call with one of our people? As many as you want. Awesome. We got two of you is going to win a coaching call for 30 minutes with Charlie, too. If you uh, make comments every day on there, we pick a winner every single day. And if you miss the first two minutes because the notifications didn't work or whatever, as long as you make a comment on my feed every day when I make a post, we pick a winner at the end of the week who just commented every day at any time. So that's great. Thank you for doing that. Two's bananas. So he offered as many as I wanted, but two's fair because you're a busy guy. So thank you, everybody. God bless you and continue to max out your life. Welcome to the Ed Milet Show.